wedding, Elon, Twitter, global warming, boosters, YouTube, podcasting, and more on today's edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 182 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And on today's show, we'll be talking a little bit about Twitter, YouTube, COVID, all the usual fun stuff. But I want to start by congratulating my nephew Trenton and his lovely bride, Ashley. They were married this weekend and are now off having hopefully some fun in Kami, California. But the wedding was nice. Got to see a lot of people I haven't seen in a long time. It was a nice ceremony at the church and then a beautiful location for the reception off a golf course out here. And the grass was already getting green, all that. It was beautiful. I mean, it was cold and rainy, but you never know what you're going to get in the Chicago area. In April, but the food was pretty good. I will give thumbs up to the appetizers they were passing around, including something that I thought was just genius, which was a small tidbit of grilled cheese that was on top of a shot glass, a long shot glass with a little handle on it, which is good because inside the shot glass was tomato soup. So they were passing out grilled cheese and tomato soup, and only one lady got some dumped on her head. I mean, you have to be careful when you're a waiter at these things, especially when you have hot tomato soup and shot glasses. But the concept was good. It tasted really good. And of course, I mean, there was an open bar, so a lot of people were really enjoying that. But I am pretty boring now. Drank my fair share over the years lately. Not so much. Not so much. But the dinner was good. The DJ, his sound system, man, it sucked. And I know, you know me, I'm an audio snob, but still, you need a little bit of high end in those speakers, dude. You can't just go with the low end distorted. And maybe I am just the old guy yelling at clouds now because it's like, ah, this music's too loud. And I can't say that it was not good music because there was stuff that I would have listened to normally. There was some Taylor Swift played, some country artists that weren't offensive in any way, and even some of the pop stuff. I don't mind the music, but for the love of Pete, I would like it to at least sound not distorted. And in the wedding cake, oh my God, there were like little hard BBs in the frosting. I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but I was happy I wasn't going for an emergency dentist appointment the next day after biting into one because it felt like you could break your teeth on them. So whoever did the cake, I'm going to give them a thumbs down, but everything else was absolutely fantastic. And it was nice to see people, as I said, that I haven't seen in a long time, including my cousins, Deanna and Michael and Kevin, who some of them actually actually, uh, listen to this show. So, hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. It's really weird. Now, when I know more people that I know are listening to the show, I have to be really careful. I don't want to say anything bad about them now, you know, 
But Kevin, I really enjoyed the story he told about staying at our grandmother's house down on the south side of Chicago. And it was an old house, duplex kind of a thing. And he was convinced, and I am not here to tell you that it wasn't, but he is convinced that the house was in fact haunted. And there's a lot of good reasons for that and could probably do a whole show on that. It's more down the uh, Nick the Rat genre type thing. But yeah, there's a lot of reasons why you could believe that this old house was haunted. But it was fun to reminisce, talk music with my cousin Deanna and her husband, Arunas. And it's good to find people who aren't completely woke, which was a majority of the people that I was speaking to. Which for me is good because otherwise, like, yeah, you don't want to talk politics. You don't want to be that guy. At least I don't. Maybe you do. Your mileage may vary. But when you go out to an event, especially a event, an event with a lot of family members, you don't want to be the guy on the other side of the political aisle that's just telling everybody else they're morons. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't do that, but you prefer not to have to do that. And it was pleasantly surprising to me that everybody kind of seemed to be on the same page. And another thing, when you get together with so many people, especially those you haven't seen in a while, you start hearing about all the health maladies and everybody's got them. No question about it. I've told you about what my mom's been through over the last couple of years. My cousin Kevin has gone through cancer as well, tonsil cancer, which is, if you look it up, That is not a common cancer. So really way to go on getting something that the doctors are like, whoa, that's kind of weird. But he's doing well. His dad, my uncle, lives out of state and he's been having some health problems as well as the woman that he lives with has been having health problems. My other uncle who was supposed to be at the wedding went in for a normal scan because he also had cancer and went in for a scan and I guess his lung collapsed. So that was no good. So he didn't make the wedding. So a lot of health karma going out to all of y'all that need it. And back to the bride and groom, just a lovely couple. My nephew Trenton is perhaps the nicest, most polite kid that I've ever met. I mean, there's a game kind of going around in the family now to see if you could actually give him a gift that he won't act really happy and surprised to get. I swear you could give him a used pack of bubble gum. And he'd be like, oh, wow, I always wanted that. Thanks so very much. The only person that has ever been able to break that streak, and he wasn't trying to, which made it even funnier. But my dad, he likes to buy baseball-related stuff, which is why I have a lot of baseball-related stuff. And I don't care. When you give me a T-shirt of whoever it is, I'll wear it. Doesn't matter to me. I have very few players that I would consider that I dislike them so much that I wouldn't wear it. but. We found the line with Trenton when he got a Justin Verlander t-shirt. No, that was that was a line crossed, I guess, and the only gift that he has ever admitted to not liking. So I'm hoping for many years of trying to push that line with Trenton and Ashley, but it was a lovely ceremony. Glad it all went off without a hitch, at least as far as we could all tell, which is more than you can ask for. When I got married, I missed the uh The night before, you know, we did the rehearsal at the church and then going to the rehearsal dinner, my best man and I went and stopped for something at my house 
And on the way to the rehearsal dinner, we were involved in a multi-car accident where a car hit the car behind us who hit us. And it wasn't a big deal, but I did have a little bit of whiplash. Went on for the next few weeks, was getting tingling in my fingers and that. But in an abundance of caution, rather than continuing on to the rehearsal dinner, I took an ambulance ride over to the local hospital to get checked out. So, I mean, that's one way. If you want to get out of a rehearsal dinner, that works. That's a perfect excuse. And uh, glad none of that kind of stuff happened for Trenton and Ashley and that they made it to California, at least. I don't know. With the way the airline industry is going, let's hope they can make it home. But I hope they have a great honeymoon and a great start to their journey. Now, on to stories from the real world. Elon Musk making some moves on Twitter. This is an interesting story that he had at least 10% of the Twitter stock that he owned. He was acquiring more. And at this point, Twitter has given him a seat on the board. But with that comes the restriction that Musk cannot be the beneficial owner of more than 14.9% of the company's stock outstanding, which basically means they're worried that Elon was trying to take over the company, which he probably was, or at least considering it seems like Twitter may be making the move to allow all of their shareholders to have voting rights within their company. And if that's the case, then Elon could always just start getting proxy votes. So anybody that owns Twitter stock could make Elon Musk their proxy. The company is doing this because they're afraid of a takeover. And the proxy voting, even with the 14.9% limit, could give Elon uh, control of this company. And whether that's good or not depends who you talk to. I don't think it is a huge deal. I can't really tell you that Elon Musk is not part of the big global conspiracy for a one world government and all that kind of stuff. Lately, he's been talking about the importance of free speech. Whether this will do anything, this is raising the questions for people like, are they going to bring Trump back for one? Because there's a lot of people on Twitter that you would kind of question leaders of countries that you know are bad. That Twitter has not booted, but you know, Donald Trump was bad. You're hearing stories that Donald Trump's truth social has been a flop and not really sure if there's any truth behind that, but I can tell you I'm not really interested in truth social because I'm of the mind that we don't really need more social media networks. We don't need to segment the world into different social media networks. What you really need is no social media networks. But if you're going to have social media, less is better. But those formats, those platforms must be free speech where people can actually have dialogues about things that maybe the people in the woke Silicon Valley leadership right now don't want people to talk about. This is why when stories like the Hunter Biden laptop break and all social media goes, no, 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 you can't share those links. You can't talk about that and we're going to kick you off. Well, that is not good for a free society. That is not good for democracy. 
that is not good for anybody but the minority that is clinging to the power. So it's interesting that Elon Musk has a board seat now at Twitter. He's promising changes. He has a lot of money to do anything he wants. If Elon Musk wanted to launch a competing service, he could do it tomorrow. So this will be interesting to watch, but I don't really expect there to be any big changes at Twitter. Maybe I'm wrong. It would be nice if it actually moved back to what it once was, which is you could pretty much say or do anything you want. And people could decide whether they wanted to listen to you or block you or whatever. Once you start having gatekeepers is where you have the problems. And this is how all of the fake news really is allowed to spread because there's different ways to do this. You can actually lie to people and put stories out there. And another way is to suppress people covering stories or topics that you don't like. Global warming is one of those. I ran across an article which talks about the fact that, you know, the scientists that actually measure the temperatures around the globe and the Green New Deal, it's very important. We need to change everything. We need to raise gas prices to like $35 a gallon because, you know, gas is killing the planet. We need to do something now or the world is going to end because we are on a collision course. And everything just keeps getting more and more warm. Oh, my God, it's horrible. Now, the reality is the last time there has been a change in the global temperature as far as global warming, it has been on a flat line since October of 2014. Yeah, it's like we're in a pause right now. So the concept that the planet was continuing on a rapid pace, getting hotter and hotter, absolutely not the truth. Is the mainstream media covering that? No, because again, when you can suppress a story, you don't even have to lie about it. You just suppress it. Kamala has had, what, a dozen or so of her top staffers leave? Has the mainstream covered any of that? No. Why? Because they don't want to embarrass her. It's easy to embarrass Joey who had President Barack Obama, former president, although, I mean, I say that, but is Barack Obama actually the former president or is he the president again? A lot of people think that the Obamas, among other people, are pulling the strings on Joey. But Obama visited the White House for the first time in five years. He gave a speech and he mentioned himself in that speech 33 times. That's only important if you understand that 33 is the magic number. So, is that some kind of signal? Maybe. I don't know. That sounds conspiratorial, but you know, sounds like fun. We can go along with that. The video that is circulating to this is absolutely hilarious, though, which is after Barack Obama gave his speech. Everybody pretty much circles around him, everybody wants a piece of Barack. Everybody wants to talk to Barack. And outside of this little circle, all by himself, looking angry and befuddled, is President Joey Biden. I really felt bad for him for a minute because I think he understood at that point 
exactly where he exists in the democratic food chain and he's not on top he is not on top looking at all the polling numbers the democrats know they're in trouble i think we're going to see some hail mary action going on between now and the election cycle so that's going to be interesting to watch again understand that you cannot believe everything that you read you cannot believe everything that you hear even if you believe it's coming from a trusted source directly you can't believe everything you see in video there's a lot coming out of ukraine that i just don't believe i really don't want to get fully into it here but all of the stuff you're seeing about atrocities war crimes putin must be held accountable I don't believe any of them. I do not believe any of them. What you're getting when you look at all of these articles, which is something that is just as bad as a source familiar with the matter or sources say or anonymous sources, what you're getting is reports from Ukraine, you know, from Ukrainian officials say the Russians did X, Y, and Z. It is all a propaganda war going on and this is not hard to understand why that these things need to be fully vetted before the world goes off and starts world war three if we were to believe what we were told before russia went into ukraine it was going to be a few days. Ukraine had no ability to stop them. This was going to be horrible. Russia was going to go in and take what they wanted. And that's not the story we've been getting. All of a sudden, Ukraine is fighting back and causing massive casualties with Russia. And then all of a sudden, it was Russia's committing war crimes and all of this. Is it true? I don't know. It may be. I cannot sit here and tell you that it's not true, but I can tell you that I don't believe it. And won't believe it until there is a legitimate investigation by sources that we trust, which is probably never going to happen. It's kind of like the Hunter Biden laptop. It's probably never going to happen to where the investigation is going to be done correctly. We're seeing what's going on with the Durham report, which is pointing to the Hillary Clinton campaign, a lawyer, Sussman who is involved with the Hillary Clinton campaign, who was the one that pretty much started the whole Russia, Russia, Russia collusion stuff. So that's going to be interesting to watch because there we have a somewhat reliable source. And this is taking years to uncover information, uncover text messages to put the whole story together. This is what you need for something that is overall as simple as the Clinton campaign starting a propaganda war with misinformation about Donald Trump. This is taking years of investigations to get evidence that shows what actually happened. This is just on a stupid little campaign thing. What's going on in Ukraine to believe that we can get the truth instantaneously or within days or weeks even of what's going on, I think it is a bit more complex than that. And I would urge everybody to take that view, to look at the event 
and understand that all of the data has to be put together. Understand that there are good reasons for both sides to lie. And this is what happens in any war. People are lying all the time. That's what Dr. Gregory House said a lot in the show house. Everybody lies. Totally true in this case. And a lot of times people just jump to conclusions, which is something we have talked about here in the past about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine for COVID, as opposed to the other two big ones from Moderna and from Pfizer which are the main ones that have been given here in the United States. There are others around the world. I know some people don't believe the virus exists at all. I know some people think all the vaccines are just to kill people. Yeah, that's great. You can have those theories. I always look for more factual data, and maybe that's not always correct either, but I try to at least go from factual data. In this case, data from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control had an interesting little tidbit, which showed that in January of this year, during the Omicron surge, the breakthrough infections from people that were vaccinated, of course, breakthrough infections, that means you got a vaccine, but you got sick anyway, which we know there have been a ton of breakthrough infections. The interesting thing here is it was highest in those who received the Pfizer vaccine, followed by those who got the Moderna vaccine. And out of the three, the least amount of breakthrough infections was that horrible little Johnson & Johnson vaccine that the CDC keeps telling you is bad and nobody should get. It was the week ending January 22nd. There were 650 infections per 100,000 people that got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, Moderna 757 per 100,000, and Pfizer 862 per 100,000. They're all pretty close in the grand scheme of things, but the story that the Johnson and Johnson, which uses different technology, is not an mRNA vaccine, we were told that it was no good. And the reality is, seems like it's pretty damn good. Not only does it seem like it's pretty damn good, but it lasts longer than the mRNA vaccines, which is why, I mean, I'm questioning this COVID boosters. The CDC just authorized if you're 50 and over, you can go get another COVID booster now. Mm, I don't know. I'm not buying that at this particular time because we are in a time of regression for COVID. If you're watching the data, as far as how many new cases there are, we know that's always been very inconclusive as far as talking about what severe illness is. Because again, with this virus, as it continues to mutate, and there are different variants, the deathliness, that's not a real word, is it? We could just say that each new variant has been less deadly. That's what I'm trying to say here. And as this happens, you may have a lot of cases, but they are not severe. They're not putting people in the hospital. So the numbers you really want to look at, especially at this point, hospitalizations and deaths, those are both down quite a bit. And 
we don't know. People may start getting sick again. If it's like the flu, then it has a cycle. And the summer is the time where more people are outside. The transmission for all these types of viruses are lower. And getting another one of these shots right now, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Do not take medical advice from podcasts from people who are not doctors. I could just tell you my thinking on it. And that is I would not be getting a booster right now. I would be holding off, especially if I was one of those folks that got the mRNA vaccine. If you got Moderna or if you got Pfizer, we're finding out that these have a much shorter lifespan than the drug companies would like. Or maybe it's exactly the lifespan that drug companies want, because the mRNA vaccines appear to have about a four month window where they work and then they drop off. The Johnson & Johnson, on the other hand, may not come out as strong out of the gate, but continues to grow in the protection you have and seems to continue in your system for a much longer period of time, which is to say if we're going through a period right now for the summer where the cases are going to be lower and lower, then I would hold off if you're 50 or over to get another vaccine until the fall rolls around. But that's just me. Again, I am not a medical professional. Do not take medical information or advice from me. Now, the last story I wanted to talk about was YouTube getting into podcasting or doing a push on podcasting. We talked a little bit about this, but it's an interesting story to me because YouTube is a behemoth. They have about 2 billion users that log in each and every month. So there is a lot of people attached to the service that right now there are people that do podcasts on there. Most of them are video. Some you can just put up a static screen. The push for podcasting, it's a little bit of a different thing than YouTube videos. The RSS feed allows you to just put the show you like in an app and it just pops up when a new one comes in. You know how it works. YouTube, the interesting thing for me is due to the fact that I get asked the question all the time from people that are thinking of starting a podcast, which is, well, where do you host the show and how much does that cost? Because having a cost is very prohibitive for a lot of people. That is a bar of entry. And when you start looking at some of the sites, I won't even name them because I don't want to shame anyone more than the other. But there's a lot of podcast hosts that are going to cost you 20 bucks, 30 bucks a month just to do a couple of shows a month. And I've always been of the mind that just getting a web hosting account and doing all the work myself makes way more sense. And I still believe that is the truth. But a lot of people, if you don't know what you're doing and you don't want to get your hands dirty and you don't want to learn how to set up WordPress or whatever you're using for your podcasting site, I understand where you want it all done for you. And that is going to cost money. And there's a lot of people that will look at that and go, well, I don't want to spend 20 or 30 bucks a month on something I just want to do for fun and to put a show out there. That's way too much money. I'm never going to make any money on the show. And then that keeps them from doing podcasts. Maybe that's good. It's one of the ways to keep there from being more than 4 million podcasts out there. Right now, according to the podcast index, 
which is a free and open index. There are a total of 3.9 million shows that are in the index. Now, when you break that down to shows that are putting out regular episodes, that comes down to 624,000 shows that have released something over the last 90 days. 538,000 shows have released something within the last 60 days and 425,000 shows which have released something in the past 30 days. Now, for those that are regular podcasters like me doing weekly shows, there have been 282,000 shows released in the past 10 days and 123,000 in the last three days. So basically, weekly shows, there's probably about a quarter million or so because some of those feeds may be duplicate content or various content like that. But there's about a quarter million shows that are regularly releasing content. That would number, I think, would go way up if that bar of entry was removed for people having to pay for hosting. And that is one thing that YouTube does really, really well. If you want to post videos on YouTube, it doesn't cost you anything. You can upload your video to YouTube and they handle the bandwidth. They handle the costs. They don't charge you anything. And that's not something that is really being utilized by podcasters right now because there is no way, at least that I know of, to take that content that you're uploading to YouTube and get that into an RSS feed that people who use podcasting players, which most do, I believe, to listen to podcasts, could use to listen to the show. Now, this may be a split off much like Spotify or something like that, where you have to then listen to the show in a YouTube app or using a web browser. I'm not really sure, but I believe a lot of people would opt for that if they could have a completely free experience where they could just upload their shows. What YouTube wants out of this is very clear. And it was covered well by my buddy Bandrew at the Bandrew Says podcast. YouTube wants to sell audio ads that opens them up to a whole new platform where they can sell audio ads, insert those in the podcast. That's going to be part of the deal. But for somebody just getting started to be able to post their shows and not have to pay 20 or $30 a month for hosting, they will probably opt as much as I hate it to go for a plan with YouTube that's free where YouTube will just insert ads into it. Now, that would probably keep a lot of people from listening, but it really depends. I'm already paying the 12 bucks to YouTube to not have to watch the horrible ads during the video that they have on YouTube. If they kind of add that to the plan, which is like, well, YouTube podcast. You can listen without ads because you paid the 12 bucks a month. Then, you know, I don't know. I might listen to shows there if the show's good. That's the main bottom line for me. So this is going to be a very interesting thing for the podcasting community. Because again, YouTube has about 2 billion people that use their service per month. That is a huge audience. They also have something that podcasting 2.0 the concepts that Adam Curry and Dave Jones and others are trying to put into podcasting 
YouTube already has part of that, which is the interactiveness. If you've ever seen a YouTube video, you know people can leave comments. When people are doing live streams on YouTube, you can see the comments coming up alongside the content. And that is something that podcasts are missing. Again, podcasting 2.0 guys are working on this, but it's something that they're trying to do across multiple platforms because it's much harder to do comments across people using different podcast players, different podcast catchers, or if they're listening when they just go to a website and listen to it. All these things are hard to tie into each other where YouTube, much like Spotify, they kind of force you into their ecosystem, but with that, they can give you things that other ecosystems can't right now. One of those would be the interactivity. YouTube also generates transcripts for the programs for free, which is also a huge benefit and a huge bonus. So it's going to be interesting to watch. I think YouTube is going to make some inroads with this, and I think they will capture a lot of people who want to do shows on the cheap. And one other thing, which may be the most important thing, the YouTube algorithm will be able to send you towards content, which is similar to that of the content you've been listening to. That's one thing with YouTube videos, as much as you might hate Google, as much as you might hate YouTube, their algorithm seems to do a really good job if you watch a certain type of content, I mean, I watch way too much Bandrew in podcastage, microphone reviews, but because of that, YouTube's like, hey, you probably want to check out this booth junkie guy and this other guy doing reviews and this guy, because the content is related. That is something that podcasting as a whole could really, really benefit from. And it's rough because a lot of the podcast players a lot of the players within the podcasting community as well, not just the players that you actually use to listen to the content, but the players, the people involved are very privacy orientated. And because of that, you don't want to collect data. But if you don't collect any data about what people are listening to, then you don't know what to recommend. It gets to be a very slippery slope for us poor podcasters who are just trying to grow an audience. So it's going to be interesting to watch. I'm not completely anti-YouTube here like I am in a lot of things. I mean, it's harder if you're a little bit controversial, as Bandrew pointed out, that it might be hard for you to keep your show on the YouTube platform. You know, if you mention any kind of crazy stuff like we might talk about here, you know, COVID-19, that's a third rail. Hunter Biden, third rail. Do masks work? Third rail. You don't want to talk about all those third rails, the things that I talk about. So my show would probably be just blasted right off of YouTube, but that's okay. I would rather continue telling you the truth as I see it than worry about a corporate overlord, but your mileage may vary. And it's a good platform to get some eyeballs, or in this case, some ears on your work. So we will see how that goes. But my birthday is on Friday. Also a very happy birthday yesterday to John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda program turning 70 yesterday. Wow. You don't look a day over 39, JCD. But my birthday is on Friday, turning 52. And I put that out there on No Agenda Social. And sure enough, dude named Kyle, otherwise known as some young guy over on No Agenda Social, came in 
today with our number one donation, $52 in honor of my 52nd birthday. And that is very much appreciated, Kyle. We do work on the value for value model here, which means we put the shows out there. They're not behind a paywall. You get to decide if you got any value out of these shows. And if you believe you have, and we hope you have, put a number on it. How much value did you get? Was it a couple of bucks? Is it worth a cup of coffee to you? Is it worth a vinyl album? Is it worth a dinner out? What's it worth? You put that number on it and you get the number to us via our website by going to random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com slash donate, where you can use the donate button to do a one-time or monthly PayPal donation. I have updated it now, thanks to Kyle, where you can put a note in there. And he didn't add a note or anything, but that's cool. I mean, if you have a note, Kyle, let me know. But you can now add a note with the PayPal donation. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to go the crypto route. We have Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano up there right now. If there's another one you want to use, let me know. We can usually add that as well. Or you can use the P.O. Box address if you want to go the snail mail route and try to keep Uncle Sam's mail delivery service in business. So once again, thank you, dude named Kyle, but also coming in today at 3333, Black Dame Loca of the Lost Pines of Texas, which is a hell of a name, but she is a hell of a dame. And she makes some beautiful glassware. She sent me a pint glass that I'm still trying to figure out how you do it. I'm trying to figure out how you make it because it's like intersecting and there's like holes in it, like you would have in a bowling ball, but then the liquid goes through to the bottom. Just some beautiful work. And if you want to see her work, you can do that over on Instagram. The account is Texas underscore hot underscore glass and some really cool stuff. And she also said the first person that donates $100 to the Rock and Roll pre-show will get a free glass. So that's an offer if you're into that. But thank you, Dame Loca. Also coming in at $20, Kendra, otherwise known as Kenny Ben, for anybody following No Agenda Art or over on No Agenda Social. $20 includes the note, Happy Birthday, Darren, for Random Thoughts, one of my favorite streaming thoughts podcast. Kisses and hugs, Kendra. I mean, it is one of the best streaming thoughts podcasts, I believe, on the internet. At least the best one that misspells random to make it harder for people to find the show. But it is very much appreciated, as is the $15 that came in from my buddy Chudakuki, which is part of his monthly donation to the shows that I do. This one, Unrelenting with Gene Nevtuliev, unrelenting.show. Planet Rage that I do with Larry Blydner over at planetrage.show. And of course, the rock and roll pre-show. If you want to get your requests in, rnr.show. I love the dot show. They're cheap, they're easy, and it's great for podcasts. Coming in with $6.66. I mean, you probably already know who it is. All the way from the UK, Stu Coates, monthly donation. Very much appreciated. Hope things are going well in the UK. Is the weather getting nicer there now? Does it ever get nice? Hope you're outside having a nice pint, listening to the show. And then coming in at $5 over on Patreon, we have Brian Janak and Dennis Woods. And we do have a Patreon account. We rarely mention it because we don't really add content there. I mean, now if those guys kept demanding content, we might have to start putting stuff up there. 
but we do have a listing there just in case you're in that ecosystem to make it easy to do a monthly donation to the show. All donations are very much appreciated, as is everybody's time for listening to the show. I know there's a lot of stuff you could be doing with your time, and it's a honor, truly, that you're listening to the show. If you want to get involved again with the value to value stuff, go to random thoughts slash donate. Thanks again also for all the birthday wishes. Very much appreciated. If you want to follow me, you can do so on the evil Twitter, although Elon's going to save us over on Twitter. It's Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. You can follow me at No Agenda Social. Also, Darren O'Neill over there. Those are the best places. Or if you want to email, you can do so. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at random, R-E-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. Would love to hear from you. With all of that said, I will be back next week on Wednesday with another edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 